This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the forensic files on your radio dial. My name is Scott. And my name is Rico. Man, you are in for a treat. Have we got a show for you tonight? We are going to answer the goddamn phone. The request line is <laughs> Once again. Again. <sighs> All right, I'll pick it up. Um, WRNRA, East of the Rockies. No way. Oh. Whoa, coming in a little hot there. Hey, tap tap the brakes a tad. Well, I'm asking nicely. Um, am I nuts? Is this Phil Anselmo? I think it is. Pantera. He's. Are you taking a break from your up from your tour? Are you getting taking a break from rehearsal or what? Do you? I I don't. Okay. He just wants to call and make a song request to Rock and Roll Autopsy. I'm thrilled. Phil, I'm a big fan. Love Pink We Pink love Pink. you, man. We, I support the tour. Go out, play those songs. When you guys were yeah, when you guys were in Akron in the early nineties, I went with a buddy of mine and you guys rocked the fucking house. So like do you uh, no way. Oh got it. Cherry Pie. Whoa. By warrant. By warrant? Yeah. Oh my gosh, going back to Pantera I know. days. Didn't expect that from you, Phil, but that's okay. We'll get it done. All right, thanks for calling in. See you, buddy. All right, gang, great request. Thank you, Mr. Ansama. We've got Rock and Roll Autopsy, the song Cherry Pie by, by Warren. Warren. It's going to be a great night. It's going to be a great yeah, it show. Is. I can't Thank wait. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. But we got some business to take care of. First, we got to do the news. garbage you're watching. I want to watch the news. This is the news. September 19th, 2003, a week after his death at the age of 71, country legend Johnny Cash is bestowed with artist, song, and album of the year awards at the Americana Music Awards Ceremony in Nashville. Cash wins Song of the Year for his cover of the Nine Inch Nails song Hurt and Album of the Year for American Four, The Man Comes Around, the fourth in a series produced by Rick Rubin. Another Rick Rubin joint, but... Oh, I gotta take a swig of water. I'm dry as <laughs> a mug, dude. Um, is Johnny... Ca- Ooh, beautifully done. Thank you. Is Johnny Cash's version of Hurt better than the original? Yes. Yeah, it, of course it is. Of course it is. That's why I put this on here, because it is light years ahead. I mean, okay, the original's good, okay, <clears throat> by another local guy. Um, Reznor. But the Johnny Cash version, man, it's just... Whew, 
listen. It's it's painful to listen to. I'm not going to say good way. anything that people don't already know. Exactly. These, these records that Cash made in, oh my in God. the later years of his life with Rick Rubin. Genius. Rick Rubin knew exactly what to do. Hell yes, Johnny he did. Johnny Cash had become a joke. And Rubin said, listen, dude, you got to get back to bass. We're going to dust you off. Give you an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and a microphone. Strip it all down. No scale photos on the cover. Exactly. Cash, bold typography on the front. Mm-hmm. Just basic. Stripped down. No frills. Basic Those ass. Records are great, man. Just They're back amazing. to the storytelling. Great records. Love it. And I love the fact too that listen, as a guy who's getting older, yeah, I love the fact that someone can have a great third act. That's the best part. Because all we ever focus on is what people do when they're young, right? And that's what matters. And he, it's like you just ride it out the rest of the way. And But to see someone have a great third act and at the later stage of their life, like that advanced age in their 70s, do some of the best music of their career, it's fucking amazing, man. Kudos to Mr. Rubin. What else is in the news? September 20th, 1979, the Clash bass player, Paul Simonon, right? Say Simonon? <laughs> Simon? Simon? Maybe it's Typo. Frustrated because the crowd at the Palladium in New York City isn't standing, smashes his instrument on stage. The photo is later used as the cover of the London Calling album. The classic album cover. That's instrument abuse. Stop breaking your guitars. I'll take them if you're going to bust Hell them. Hell yes. Why don't you just like give that audience a stern talking to instead of breaking Come on. an instrument? Go it, full Hugh Bowman. Just spit on them. <laughs> At least you're not costing yourself money in a new instrument. Just go full Roger Waters. Just do. Just go Roger Waters and Hakalugie on him. I'm thinking just go full Hugh Bobon. Just have a just have a stern talking. Dude, you don't fuck with I'm Hugh, but nobody fucks with in you. <laughs> yeah, man. Like all you have to hear are those words, and you are cowering in the corner, oh, sucking your thumb in the fetal position. Lord, the Beaver blew up the Dairy Queen again. Now I'll Beaver, have a talk with him. Now here. Beaver. <laughs> but is is um L- london calling best cover album ever it's a great album cover yeah it's iconic and it yeah. uses the elvis presley typography going along the side and the bottom mm-hmm. it's classic Phen- phenomenal it's anyway clash album great cover love it stuff moving on september 23rd 1980 Bob Marley plays his final concert, a 20-song set, at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh with his group, the Whalers. What's your feeling on reggae? It makes me think of being on vacation. Yeah. It's so, like, I can remember being on a cruise ship, like, in the early, it was right around the time the Iraq invasion, invasion, and... Just reggae nonstop. Just hearing that music nonstop. The sound of the percussion instruments, and mm-hmm. you know, you hear it in rock. Rush does it from time to time. The police did a lot of it. You know, yep. I mean, is is reggae one of those musical genres that it doesn't matter where you're from or what your favorite type of music is? When somebody throws some reggae on, you're like rasta man like reggae is reggae just one of those infinitely cool musical stylings that just everybody really cannot find anything wrong with i don't know i mean i'm not like a huge you know reggae 
I don't think you have fan, to be though, right? But I I dig Bob Marley. Yeah, you know, um, government like conspiracy? The, uh, yes or no? Thoughts? No idea. I like the <laughs> um, I like the Spinal Tap scene where they're like talking about barbershop raga. Spot. What else is in the news? Um, September twenty fourth, nineteen seventy five, Rush released their third their third album, Caress of Steel. The album doesn't sell as well as its predecessor, Fly by Night, which was Neil Peart's first album with the band, and is poorly received by critics. Rush chalks up the album's lack of focus and quality to copious amounts of marijuana consumed during its making. Hey now, hey now. the audacious ambition of the album, however, is an important step in the band's evolution. Another step forward on an artistic path that will find fruit a year later with 2112. Um, yeah, not a fantastic album, but an important album because they start to they start to loosen up their proggy chop, their proggy chops for the future few albums. That's Just, where that's where they get a taste of the progginess. This is one of those things where, you know, maybe it's transitional, right? Where bands are finding their footing and they have to go through a little, you know, when you're a teenager and you go through that phase where your clothes don't fit right and you got zits. Yeah, that awkward tweener yeah. tweener stage. Crust of steel. It's got. Zits. It's a tweener. Yeah. It's got acne. Sure is. Yeah. Was it a mistake? <laughs> okay. Let's. Nicely done. Um. Was it a mistake? Okay. So, Sabbath went proggy. We've got Jethro Tull who was proggy. You see where I'm going with this? So that that mid seventies ish before disco became real popular, it was like a thing. Lots of people were yep. doing the proggy thing. Yep. Rush was on its way to being a Sabbath type of album, right? And maybe we cover that in a side pod. Yeah, like you think Working Man almost sounds like an early Sabbath song. Yeah. Was it a big giant mistake for them going and hitting their prog stage? Because now, no matter what they do afterwards, in fact, they love their post-prog music better than their prog music. But everybody pigeonholes them as a prog band and hates all of their post-prog stuff because it's not proggy. So was it a giant mistake for them doing what they did, even though everybody was doing it? There's no way to, to have known this ahead of time. But I think, yeah, I think it was a big mistake hitting that prog phase because now they're pigeonholed as a prog band, which they're not. Um, I don't think it was a mistake, and I'll tell you why. Because as far as I know, I think if they arrived there honestly, and it was just an honest evolution of the band, Agreed. then you could never call it a mistake. It was just right. it was just them being honest about their artistic expression at the time. I agree with you. Are you going to fart into the mic? No, I'm pulling a Tony Rizzo and standing up while we're talking. Oh, you getting uncomfortable? Yeah, back is a little tight. Yikes. <sighs> Anyway, yeah, I, go for it. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the label kind of following them forever, but um, but I don't think it was a mistake, man. I think that they, uh, you know, it's they were honestly pursuing their musical whimsy, you know, and I think that's kind of what made the band interesting. I mean, oh, they continued to do that in the '80s when they got all synthy and shit. I don't, I don't disagree with their honest insertion into the prog phase. I totally agree with you on that but i think ultimately looking back on it uh, it wound up not being a good thing for them because now they're pigeonholed 
unju- uh, uh, incorrectly. All right, dear listener, just so you know, Rico is standing because his back is tweaking out on him, but he is assumed because the mic will only go so high. He's assumed full Hetfield stance. All right. Very intimidated because his legs are spread all the way apart. His nutsack is swinging inside his shorts, almost threatening me. I am scoring a 1.0 on machismo. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. All right, Rico. Yeah, man. What's up? We need reviews. What is that? What does that mean? Well, it's like... What does that mean to us? Well, people who listen to our podcast, it would be swell um, if they would go to... Apple Podcasts and write a review or go to Spotify and give us a star rating, something between one and five. It helps us. How do we know how bad we really are if people don't tell us? We need the feedback and the algorithm loves it and that algorithm is hungry. It needs it needs fed bad. You know what else needs fed bad? Your ego needs fed bad on this yeah I that's need... why we really want the reviews let's face it right go ahead oh yeah i need listen i get zero positive feedback in my life people around me despise me so i'm counting on total strangers to say nice things yeah we, i guess the point is is to make your ego like completely non-manageable so that i want to stop doing this podcast and people might be motivated to do that if they dislike the podcast. Right. If they want to see in like an intercompany battle between creative differences and how I can't stand how giant your ego is, all all we need is for those people to start giving us reviews and feedback. And that'll happen, guys. You'll you'll get some really good social media entertainment here. It would be a backwards way for them to kill a podcast they hate by saying good things about it. So that my ego would rage out of control. Exactly. And you would storm off in a huff. I think we all want that, right? I know I do. So please, do us a favor and give us some feedback. They said it couldn't happen. They were wrong. Flash of the Titan. The heaviest night of your life is here. Three headline bands. One intense night. Flash of the Titans with Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer coming Thursday night, June 6th at Omaha Civic Center. Flash of the Titans, the heaviest metal of all. Megadeth, Slayer, plus Anthrax. Thursday night, June 6th at Omaha Civic Center. Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth. With special guest, Allison Shade. Tickets this Monday, 10 a.m. at the Civic Center box office at all Ticketmaster Ticket Centers, including Yonkers, Pickles, Homers, and Jigs. Or charge at 402-422-1212. Clash of the Titans. The heaviest night of your life. Thursday, June 6th at Omaha Civic Center. Clash of the Titans. Produced by Starting Productions. This is KISS, each sold separately, and you can put them in any crazy pose you want. KISS, each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country, western, and blues. 
in the year of our Lord, 1955. On this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell-by-date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism, misogyny, and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities, and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. Okay, Cherry Pie by Warrant. The album is the same name, Cherry Pie. The B-side of this song, Thin Disguise, album released September 8th, 1990. Linked, uh, sorry, label is Columbia, songwriter Janie Lane on a pizza box, producer is Bo Hill. All right, gang, it's Rock and Roll Autopsy. It's time to throw this mug on the operating table, sharpen those scalpels, sharpen them up, wash those hands. We're about to tear this mug up and find out if it killed rock and roll. To do so, we're going to use five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism, boomerism, excessive misogyny, misogyny, wanton whiteness, whitey, malignant machismo, James Hetfield, culture vultures, vultures. Rico, we got another autopsy to do, buddy. We do. Warrant cherry pie. Cherry pie. She's my cherry pie. She's my cherry pie. The category is gratuitous boomerism. Rico, how do you score? Well, let's see. First of all, we need to establish that Janie Lane was born in 1964, so he's a cusper. Yeah. Um, So he can't get the auto .5 because he's not straight boomer, right? Um, so now we have to look at the song, its message, how it's delivered. The, the message of cherry pie. cherry pie. There really isn't one. It's just a gratuitous song that the label cooked up. Um, is it a boomer song? Yeah, I'll tell you why. I give it a point one or a one point zero, and it's not because of Janie Lane. It's because of the the idiots in the label that put them up to it <laughs> and that is a, there's a bunch of boomers in suits working at yeah the label and, and, and the label put gen x yeah said we need to make some money right exactly and the, and the way and the, the label putting them up to it, put put them putting them up to it the way they did was a total boomer maneuver so that they get the song 
gets a 1.0 in my book. You have sold me. I cannot find fault in that reasoning. <laughs> For that, I will score it a 1 as well. Let's move on, Rico. Uh, Let's. To category 2, excessive misogyny. Yeah. So how do you score? Cherry she, pie. She's my cherry pie. Cold drink of water, such a sweet surprise. Tastes so good, makes a grown man cry. Sweet cherry pie. I mean, if we're talking about the food, sure, I agree. That doesn't make you misogynistic, right? Just talking about pie? Pie. I love pie. <laughs> I would write... I would write a concept album about pecan pie. Oh, my God. I mean, the love affair I have with pie is is profound. Let me just say that. Lime. I know your favorite's pecan. Let's take, let, let's take, I know your favorite's pecan. Let's take pecan out of the picture for a second. That's in its own category. You fucker. I need your top three pies. In order. Without pecan? Without take pecan out. A key lime, lemon meringue. Let's just go with the blueberry then. Wow, all fruit pies. Yeah. Nice. Why, what should I have done? Well, no. Well, I had pecan number one. Ain't nothing fruity about that. Well, no, but I'm surprised your next three were like key lime and lemon meringue. You like lemon meringue that much? Dude, key lime is fucking amazing. My aunt made the best lemon meringue pie. Really? When I was a little fat oh kid growing up in Coggle Falls, Ohio, she'd give me a key lime pie to house that motherfucker. Just be so happy watching cartoons. Did she let you eat at least half the pie? Dude, come on. She loved it. <laughs> Um. Wait. What? What? Yeah, totally forgot. Wait, what, what category are we on? I don't know. I got so hungry. We're on uh, number two. What's Excessive number two? Misogyny. Oh, misogyny. Yeah, it's a one <laughs> I got. What about the video with Bobby Brown? With the triangle-shaped cherry pie mess Just in her lap. Right in her lap. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Nothing metaphorical about that, right? <laughs> And I love the drum kit, like the drum heads or pie. Yeah. He's just smacking his drumsticks and the pies just flying. Flying everywhere. everywhere. But Bobby Brown in that video. Holy cow. Golly. Golly. She's full on Christina Applegate doppelganger. Yeah. It's like total Kelly Bundy. So did did they model Kelly Bundy after Bobby Brown? That's a good question. Maybe there's some. Maybe they looked at Bobby Brown and said, we need that for Al Bundy's daughter. Because think about it. That kind of... Because think about it. In the 90s, didn't we have kind of like that look in the 90s and maybe bobby brown was the catalyst for that kind of like you know the brooke shields and the cindy crawfords of the 80s didn't come from brooke shields or cindy crawford came from gia karanji she was the original of the big thick eyebrow brown hair model of the 80s and then all of that came after her so maybe bobby brown was the gia karanji of the 90s Sweet cherry pie. Holy moly. How am I going to score? I'm going to go ahead and score it a one as well. I was going to say, man. Sorry, buddy. Let's move on to category three, wanton whiteness. Rico, how do you score? Um, Yeah, this is another 1.0 just because of the gratuitous mindlessness of it and the fact again that the label put them up to this yeah the iq he had no desire to do this well swinging on the front porch swinging on the lawn swinging where we want because there ain't nobody home swinging to the left swinging to the right 
I'm thinking about baseball. I'll swing all night. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. this a reference to, you ever hear that, like if you're a man who's having trouble performing and you're in the act to mm-hmm. think about baseball? Yeah, because that it's, will help you it's supposed to help you last longer. Yes. Yeah. And he says, I'm thinking about baseball. I'll swing all night. That That's probably what that's from. Probably it, right? Yeah. All right, so wanton whiteness. I'm gonna. What are you scoring? This I'm one? giving it a one because of the label, dude, not because of him. I'm gonna give it a point five because from here on out, all hair metal is getting a point five for me for wanton whiteness. True. Category four. We're moving right on through this. Blowing through this shit. Malignant machismo. Um. Score. If you need any lyrics, I've got. Yeah, this is lyric here. time. Swinging in the living room, swinging in the kitchen. Most folks don't because they're too busy bitching. Swinging in their cause. She wanted me to feed her. I mixed up the batter and she licked the beater. I scream, you scream. We all scream for her. Don't even try because you can't ignore her. She's my cherry pie. Cool drink of water. Such a sweet surprise. Tastes so good. Make a grown man cry. Sweet cherry pie. Oh, yeah. I can't give a full one only because I know that he was put up to it and he hated the fact that he did this that he did this song so I can't give a, but I still have to give a point five for the uninitiated listener yeah. who's not familiar you're referencing uh, the cherry pie guy that you see in behind the music the yeah. cherry pie pie guy quote that you can bring up yeah what's interesting as i read these lyrics i've heard the song a million times but what never occurred to me until i actually read it on the page is yeah. that in that clip he says that the record label wanted love in an elevator yeah There's, i don't hear it the record's done but i don't hear a single we want love in an elevator yeah these lyrics read like sound Steve, they it, sound like steven tyler lyrics yeah the um the cadence is very yes. much like love in the elevator yeah and it's very steven tyler it's it is almost like when you think of like sweet emotion or walk this it's very like that. scatty yes 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 exactly yeah. so it's like i think janie lane took that instruction from his uh his label quite literally it well was, and what i learned through this whole process is just how musical he really was and so perhaps he was more clever than he's ever gotten credit for this song i mean i think is maybe we'll talk about a little more in the next category yeah it's it's really a perfectly constructed pop rock song yeah the melody the hooks the verse the singing is terrific you know it does the vocal harmony part i mean it's sugary you know it's caramely but it's really a an expertly crafted pop song and if someone sat me down i mean i'm not a songwriter but if someone sat me down and said write a hit pop song i don't hear a hit for this record think about that as an assignment this would this would he was charged with writing a hit and literally sat down and wrote a hit overnight and gave them exactly what they wanted that's pretty incredible that's that takes some serious that's talent, talent that's ta- that's what i'm saying anybody you know if you can write a hit you can make a million bucks and it's like yeah. he was like that's what i'm saying what i got out of this is he was much more talented than i gave him credit for ever so how did you score malignant machismo? uh we're on number four uh point point five yeah i'm gonna go point five too there's a little bit of swagger here yeah it's you know but it's not full on the yeah. dog's snoring so if the microphone picks that up apologies yeah but it's okay dog life um category five culture vulturism rico how do you score 
uh yeah it's 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 a one because the label wanted him to vulture love in an elevator and pour some sugar on me and he vultured love in an elevator and gave him cherry pie yeah it's you know it's hard to look at this and say well i see total creativity from an artist yeah this is an artist that's almost like uh, like uh, like he's a graphic designer being hired to bring someone else's vision to life, right? Precisely. It's like he was hired to do a job and yeah. did it professionally yeah. Yeah. because he was able to do it, right? That, that's a very and, good analogy. And it's like culture vulturism. It's like, yeah, to your point, it's, it's like an Aerosmith. It is kind of a rewrite of Love in an Elevator yep. in a sense. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and give Now, if you want to hear his creativity, well. listen to the rest of the album. Yeah, Uncle Tom's Cabin is a great track. Um, the record, a lot of you know Warrant fans really love the record, but this song is like the first track, and it's like a skipper for a lot of them. Yeah. You know? How about this? As I was listening to the album, I'm hearing some piano. I'm hearing a lot of acoustic guitar. Yep. I if they if if he and there's no way they would have thought of this at the time, but. Um, putting my today hat on that on this album if he really wanted this album to take off he'd have made it a country rock album it would have been a great country rock album that's good that's and it's funny too because that wouldn't really come till later like Def Leppard does that yeah. you know, Bon Jovi did yeah. Bon Jovi that, that, from hair yeah. metal to like country rock and found a home poison mm-hmm. that, uh, that, Michaels to some degree that um, guy Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Def Leppard had crossover hits oh yeah with, yeah a lot of these bands found crossover success with country you're right they were a little early for that though with this no, no, this right? that's what i'm saying what, there's 89 right so uh, 90 90 90 yeah they wouldn't have thought of that back then this would have been great as a country rock album can i defend the record label though as indefensible as it seems yeah go ahead in a sense though to your point about how the rest of the record plays out where you hear more sophisticated you know instrumentation happening through uncle tom's cabin's a great song and knowing the era yeah. and where this band comes from and the the genre that it comes from if you're a record label executive and you've paid for the studio time and you got to promote this record and they turn it in and it's piano it's acoustic guitar it's a little more sophisticated and you're like I signed you to be a hair metal act for the label yeah. because hair metal's huge and we need hair metal and acts. And the label right. knows that the hair metal is going away because the 90s are here and some other things are starting to happen. Well, I don't think they know that yet, but you know. But to your point, yeah, the mu- they didn't sign them to be musicians. They signed them to put out mindless. Cherry pie. Cherry pie. That's yeah. what they signed them for. Yeah. So in a sense, they're like, you know. Go do what we paid you, what we hired you for, and and record record label execs, artists are on spreadsheets. Their numbers on spreadsheets. Yep. That's all they see is numbers yep. on. The higher you go up, you're just numbers on spreadsheets. And Janie Lane, however, is is a musician since the age of five mm-hmm. and is an artist and wanted to grow. And yeah. the record label are like, oh no, this is almost your rush thing. It's like, no, you go in that box. Yeah. That's where we want you. We want you in that box. I don't care that you learned how to play piano, you, that you taught yourself how to play piano. I don't care about that. I want love in an elevator because yeah. it. So that was a big stinking hit. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's do some math, man. What do you got? What's your score? Oh, boy. So we've got uh, 38 times. 
plus four. I've got four and a half points. And I've got four. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty as charged. Science works. I mean... The science Once again. Once again. What's the total there for those people at home? Uh, I have four and a half, and yet how many? I have four. Uh, Eight and a half points. It's a big... It's a big old dent in rock and roll's history. And deservedly so. Sure. I think if you asked if Janie Lane were still with us, and you asked him, you can see it in old interviews, I think he knows how this played out in rock. Certainly for his career, it not only did... Kill rock and roll, but it killed his career. Killed his career too. His entire, yeah. the whole rest of his life was cherry pie. It would be hard to, um, to if this was anything less than a scientific process. Yeah. the song might come out squeaky clean. Sure, but because our methods of analyzing are so accurate and so unbiased, scientifically based. There's no opinion in this whatsoever. And you look at it and you say eight point five might be our highest score yet. And it might be. It's such a killer that not only did it kill a genre of music, it participate in that. It killed this man's career. Yeah. He's no longer with us. He drank himself to death. Maybe we do that. This thing really, you know, had some deep claws, right? Maybe we do that. Maybe we post a little chart of our autopsies and the scores oh, and it's a good idea. And yeah. uh, so that everybody can review and uh, if they if they're bumping through our chart and maybe they see something that tickles their fancy, then maybe they dial up that episode. Yeah, or yeah, it's a great idea. Or maybe in the future we can do an episode where we just like uh, run down the top ten or something. Yeah. That might be fun. Like their bottom three scores, our top three scores and just kind of talk about them. Yep. Right on, man. Well, all right. It was great. This has been Rock and Roll Autopsy. Any final thoughts, sir? Um, none. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, just regretting my story during news time. That's okay. You'll bounce back. <laughs> Good night now. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah! Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. You guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Oh, to the door. Love it till the morning. I'm gone. I'm gone. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rockandrollautopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, We'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.